Regional Profile, the Alawites. Israel's northern neighbor, Syria, is emerging from a brutal civil war. The Assad regime has largely regained control of most of the country. The only regions outside of its control are in the northeast, where the Kurds have maintained some of their hard-fought autonomy. They call this region Rojava. In response to this Kurdish autonomy and concerns about the rest of Kurdish population on the Turkish side of the border, the Turks invaded Syria in 2019 and created a buffer zone along the border. It remains in place. Nonetheless, it is clear to most observers that the Syrians, with critical help from the Iranians and Russians, have re-established control over most of the country's territory and all of its major cities, with the exception of Idlib. The cost in human life and suffering has been shocking. It's estimated that over 600,000 people have been killed, 160,000 of them civilians. 6.7 million people have been internally displaced, and 6.6 million have been turned into refugees. The Assad regime, despite prognostications to the contrary, has survived, although the country is battered, bruised, and far weaker than before the civil war. In many ways, Syria has been reduced to a dependency of both Russia, which maintains a large naval base on the Mediterranean, and Iran, which maintains troops and military installations throughout the country. The Assad regime has all but won. But what does this mean? Who is Bashar al-Assad, the Syrian leader? What is his base of support? What is the regime's ideology? What are the internal religious dynamics of the country? What are the fault lines within Syria? Bashar al-Assad has been the leader of Syria since 2000, when his father Hafez al-Assad, who preceded him in power, died. His father was a former Syrian Air Force general who seized power in a coup in 1970. What casual observers often miss is that the Assad clan come from a religious minority considered heretical and even non-Muslim by most Islamic scholars. They are members of the Alawite sect, known as Alawiyah in Arabic. Their enemies historically have called them Nusairis, a term now largely considered derogatory. The Alawites are concentrated on the Syrian coast where they constitute a majority. This is their historic heartland. However, since 1970, Alawi communities are increasingly found in Damascus and Aleppo as well. Alawite minorities can be found in the Iskandaria province of Turkey, northern Lebanon, and in one Israeli-administered town called Gajar, on the border of the Golan Heights in Lebanon. Most residents of Gajar have chosen to accept Israeli citizenship. The Alawite religion is highly secretive and many of its practices are unknown to outsiders. What is known is that they are a breakaway sect from Twelver Shiism the largest branch of Shia Islam. 85% of all Shiites are adherents of the Twelver sect, called Ithna Asariya in Arabic. Twelver refers to the twelve accepted imams who Shia believe are the rightful spiritual and political successors to the Prophet Muhammad. According to Shia belief, leadership of the Islamic community, the Ummah, must come from the Al-Albayt, the people of the house. This refers to the descendants of Ali ibn Talib, Ali ibn Talib was the cousin, son-in-law, and companion of the Prophet Muhammad. These early arguments about the rightful religious and political successors to the Prophet Muhammad are the origins of Islam's Sunni-Shia schism, a schism that reverberates down to our own day. The conflict is more than simply religious. It has political overtones as well. Iran is by far the largest majority Shia state in the world, making it the de facto leader of the world's Shiites. Most of the Arab world is predominantly Sunni, with the major exception of Iraq, which has a Shia Arab majority. Until the overthrow of Saddam Hussein, Iraq had been ruled by Sunni leaders. However, much of the Arab world has restive Shia minorities. These populations exist in Syria, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and the UAE. The Gulf state of Bahrain actually has a slight Shia majority, 
although the nation has long been ruled by a Sunni monarchy. The Shia of the Arab world often feel quite aggrieved and have been persecuted for much of their history. One particular Shia practice that comes from this persecution is taqiyah, or the concealment of one's true religious beliefs. This response to persecution is also practiced by the Alawites. The martyrdom of the descendants of Ali ibn Talib is often conflated with the persecution of the Shia themselves. This sense of injustice, oppression, and victimization is a touchstone of Shia identity. Although the Alawites have their origins in Shia Islam, many of them consider themselves and are considered by other Muslims as a separate ethno-religious group. The Alawites claim descent from the 11th Shia Imam Hassan al-Askari and his pupil Ibn Nusayr. After al-Askari's death, Ibn Nusayr claimed that he was the bab, or gate, of the imam. This means that Ibn Nusayr claimed to be al-Askari's senior disciple, chosen to promulgate his teachings. The 12th imam, Muhammad al-Mahdi, ultimately excommunicated Ibn Nusayr. The religion that Ibn Nusayr founded likely developed over centuries in the remote coastal mountains of Syria, beginning in the 9th century. The Alawites continued to develop practices that placed them well outside the scope of Orthodox Shia, and certainly Sunni Islam. The Alawites practice a syncretic religion. It includes Islamic, Gnostic, Neoplatonic, and Christian elements. Some scholars posit that trace elements of pre-Islamic pagan influences also survive. Because the practice of taqiyya, or concealment, is so ingrained in Alawite communities, it has been very difficult for scholars to comprehensively study the Alawite religion. Alawite studies have only made significant inroads in the last 20 years as a handful of former practitioners have shared details with outsiders. Unlike Muslims, the Alawites not only consume wine, but use it in a sacramental way, consecrating bread and wine in a communion ceremony resembling a Christian mass. Alawites observe the Christian festivals of Epiphany, Christmas, and other Christian feast days. They are said to believe in a trinity comprising Ali, Muhammad, and one of Muhammad's companions named Suleiman the Persian. Ali is considered a more central figure in their religion than even Muhammad himself. He's considered a divine incarnation, while Muhammad is considered the veil whose seemingly more prominent role serves to occlude the true power that is Ali. Alawites do not fast during Ramadan. They do not pray five times a day or even congregate in mosques. Historically, they have not made the Hajj, and their readings of the Quran are done in a highly idiosyncratic way that does not resemble traditional Muslim teachings. They highlight the hidden meaning of the text, called Batin. This Gnostic reading emphasizes hidden knowledge that is not readily apparent using traditional methods of interpretation. It is used to buttress variant Alawite practices and beliefs. In the coastal Syrian region, the Alawites historically made up the majority of the peasant population of the countryside. Landowners and urban dwellers were predominantly Sunni. The Alawites were largely poor, illiterate sharecroppers. Their testimony was not accepted in courts until after the overthrow of the Ottoman Empire and the advent of the French Mandate of Syria and Lebanon. They remained a poor, persecuted, clannish, and inward-looking people until the beginning of the French Mandate. As was common amongst colonial powers, the French sought to secure loyalty first and foremost among minority populations. They also subdivided the region politically along sectarian lines. This is actually the origin of what later became the Republic of Lebanon. This region, based around Mount Lebanon itself, was majority Christian, albeit with large Muslim and Druze minorities. The French also created an Alawite state along the Syrian coast and a Druze state in Jabal al-Druze in southwestern Syria. The Christians of Lebanon and Syria tended to support the French mandate, seeing it as a way to guard against Muslim persecution. Many of them became exuberant Francophones who adopted French language and culture. 
The Druze generally opposed the partitioning of Syria into different ethnic states. They are still remembered for the Syrian nationalism of Druze leader Sultan al-Atrash. He rebelled against the French and opposed an independent Druze state. Unlike the Druze, the Alawites were strong supporters of the French mandate, in particular its efforts to create a coastal Alawite state. In fact, Bashar al-Assad's grandfather, himself an Alawite notable, signed a letter to the French requesting the preservation of an Alawite state because of what he termed the intense hatred and persecution of Muslims. It was very clear at this time that the Alawites argued that they were not Muslim and could not be integrated into a Muslim-majority nation. This inconvenient fact has largely been suppressed by the Assad regime. It was at this time that the poor, forlorn, Alawite peasant farmers began a tradition of military service, first in the French-run and supported Syrian military, and later as soldiers after the independence. For the Alawites, who were eking out a subsistence living in their coastal mountain region, Training in the military was an opportunity for upward mobility. Amongst more affluent Sunni merchants and other urbanites, a career in the military was considered less prestigious and perhaps even a lower-class occupation. This would later have dramatic consequences for both the Alawites and the Sunni majority. After 1936, it became clear that only Lebanon would be partitioned to form an independent state. Both the Alawite state and the Druze state would become historical footnotes. Religious minorities in Syria, including the Alawites, Druze, and Christians, were disproportionately attracted to pan-Arab nationalism and secularism. This was an attempt to root the Republic's foundations on something other than Islam and the ascendant Muslim Brotherhood. Political Islam was and remains a frightening prospect for the region's religious minorities. To that end, Hafez al-Assad, the current president's father, became active in pan-Arab nationalist politics, specifically the Ba'ath Party. Like him, many young Alawite men were attracted to this movement. Ultimately, Hafez al-Assad took control of Syria in the wake of the Arab world's failures after the Six-Day War. Since the 1970 coup, the Alawites have assiduously crafted a narrative that downplays their religious distinctiveness. After Assad became the country's leader, he changed the country's constitution to allow a Muslim, rather than a Sunni Muslim, to become president. He then co-opted a number of Shiite ulema to rule that the Alawites were Shia Muslims. Before this time, there were virtually no Twelver Shia scholars who held that the Alawites were Muslims. However, in the interest of securing government funding for their own religious endowments and the ever-present threat of violence, a number of prominent Shia clerics in Syria reversed their position and declared the Alawites Shia Muslims. That is still the case today and goes a long way in helping to understand why the Assad regime was so willing to accept support and ultimate dependence from Iran. Since 1970, the Assad regime has tried to cultivate an image of themselves as good Muslims who nonetheless support a secular Arab nationalist government. Mosques have been built in Alawite villages. Certain practices that deviate from Islamic norms are downplayed. Hafez al-Assad himself actually made the Hajj to Mecca in order to demonstrate his regime's Muslim bona fides. They stood behind the Assad regime throughout the duration of the civil war. Conversely, opposition to the Assad regime has often been centered around Sunni grievance and political Islam. When the Muslim brothers rose up against Hafez al-Assad in the city of Hama in 1982, the senior al-Assad laid siege to the town for a month and utterly crushed the revolt. Estimates vary between 20,000 and 40,000 Syrian citizens killed. When the Arab Spring revolts broke out in 2011, the backbone of governmental opposition was amongst Sunni groups. This included the Muslim brothers, as well as even more radical Sunni groups such as ISIS, known in Arabic as Daesh. The fighting has continued for over a decade. With help from Iran and its proxy Hezbollah, as well as the Russian military, the Assad government slowly began to reconquer its territory, albeit at a fearful human cost. 
the Assad government has been able to reestablish its dominance through the use of overwhelming violence, including the use of chemical weapons against civilians. It has successfully managed to maintain the loyalty of a minority of Sunni Muslims who are swayed by an Arab nationalist rather than Islamist message. These Sunni Muslim allies are also likely swayed by the prerogatives of power and demonstrations of brute force. The regime has certainly managed to retain the loyalties of its religious minorities who have well-established fears of an ISIS victory. Such a victory would likely spell death and total destruction for the Alawites and Druze, who are considered apostates from Islam. The fate of Christians under ISIS rule would in all likelihood not be much better. The Alawites of Syria have managed to survive in a region that is not well regarded for its treatment of religious minorities. This is particularly the case for sects that have deviated from the main body of Muslims. And yet, this persecuted poor and formerly agrarian people living in their mountainous coastal redoubts has managed to not only survive but thrive. This minority group has managed to hold on to most of the levers of Syrian power. In the early days of the Civil War, many observers wondered whether the brief experiment with an Alawite statelet along the coast would be revived in the event that the Assad government fell. The question is now moot. Nonetheless, the safety and security of the region's religious minorities is always precarious. The Alawites have prevailed for now. What their future holds remains an open question. This has been Yossi Main from Israel Week in Review. And this has been Ben Ronsman from Israel Week in Review. We go behind the headlines to provide you with insight and understanding of the news from Israel and the Middle East. Israel Week in Review has been brought to you through the generous support of Origin Story Marketing, helping your business find its customers through search engine optimization. For a complimentary consultation, visit originstorymarketing.com. Thank <laughs> you.